We have a phenomenal choir. Thank you, thank you so much. Man, I'm going to go watch the movie when I get home. That's good. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Oh God, help us this morning to hear you and to know you. Amen. I'd like to begin with just a little bit of a confession. When I heard that we would be doing the Ted Lasso series, this was Pastor Aaron's idea. I was really, I was pretty excited about it. I, I love the humor of the series. I like the stories and the personalities of the characters, the, the ways in which their lives really change over the course of the several seasons. But when it comes to the sports, I'm sort of like, eh. I have this memory in my own life of being about uh, 10 years old or something. I was on the soccer team uh, in my hometown of Seattle, and I had on everything, you know, head to toe, my cleats and, you know, my jersey and everything. I was feeling pretty good. I was out there on the field looking for the ball, looking around, and there it was all of a sudden coming right at me. And so I take off right? And I'm running and I'm running and I can hear people yelling in the background, yelling my name and they're so excited and I'm feeling good until I realize I am running in the complete opposite direction of where I am supposed to go. And this taught me a lesson. I belong in the pulpit. <laughs> Not the soccer field. There are a lot of really great characters in Ted Lasso, and one of my favorites is Jamie Tart. And you see, uh, Jamie goes through a lot in this show, right? He is a loose cannon. Often he's, he's saying things he probably shouldn't, he's doing things he probably shouldn't, um, and he really doesn't care. And he may not even be sure why he's making these mistakes, why life is, uh, for him, feels like it's going so poorly, why, why he feels so unhappy all the time, why he's so frustrated or angry. Jamie presents himself on screen as really arrogant and, and self-centered, where everything is all about him. And people, they don't really respond well to Jamie in the show. And, and we're actually going to take a look at this, and I want to let you know that um, for these two clips that you're going to see today, I have muted the language, and I have also um, blurred out some uh, physical stuff. Um, but if, if that's something that if you have a young one or, or you just don't want to watch that right now, um, head out for a couple of minutes. But let's take a look. Hey, what's he like? Well, Jamie, mm -hmm. yeah, he's great. You know, football. Oh. Yeah, I know fellas like that. What teammate has ever made me feel as bad about myself as Jamie did? Check on your f***ing teammate! What is this? We haven't seen this since 2000. Hey, wait, play out there. Where do you get us back in? Shut up. Stupid I scored all the goals, and I'm the only one they're going to see. And you have to wonder, where would Richmond be without him? In my head, I'm just hearing the crowd cheer my name after I scored a goal tonight. Did it to piss off my dad, calling me soft, if I didn't dominate, you know? And I, and I hated that. I actually hated that. You could have scored the winner. You're better than that, Jamie. 
just figure out some way to turn that me into us? The sky's the limit for you. And that he is my son. My own flesh and blood. The city faithful letting Jamie Tarr know how they feel about their former player who left them. Welcome on! And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Nobody in this room alone. I hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments, but rather by the strength we show when and if we're ever given a second chance. I finally. See, Jamie is a flawed human being. And the truth of it is, we all are. And it's fairly easy to see that his actions on the field aren't only because he's focused on personal success or his own talent, they're rooted in something much deeper. We see this especially in his relationship to his dad. He feels pain, frustration, anger. And Jamie's experience reminds me of a figure in scripture that many of us already know. Saul of Tarsus. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Like Saul, Jamie learns the importance of humbling himself through something bigger and deeper than he could ever be alone. In the show, that becomes his team. Jamie begins to see that no matter how hard it is to let down his guard, it's harder to do it alone. Throughout the show, Jamie's relationships with others change because of his own willingness to ask forgiveness for his past mistakes. But more importantly, Jamie is willing to forgive himself to look beyond what he's done wrong, to trust that his team has got his back, to know that he is forgiven. 
I can't imagine being Saul of Tarsus, turning into the Paul that we look towards so often when we read his New Testament letters to the churches. Here's this guy, he's, he's made a name for himself, he's hurt people, he's destroyed lives, and if anybody is deserving of God's judgment, boy, it has got to be him. And yet, and yet Paul discovers through his connection to God a new purpose and a new mission. He discovers the power of the gospel to change his life and the lives of others. And he is willing to put his time and energy where his mouth is. He devotes his life to his work. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for many of the earliest Christians to look at their persecutor as a friend. Later in his life, Paul is able to say, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Because he's been through it, right? But this recognition of, of who he is and where he's been in his life, it leads Paul to see things differently, to see how he can make an impact in a different way to take what was painful or challenging or difficult and not to, you know, hold on to that, not to make that the focus of the rest of his life, but to learn from it, to begin to see his life in relationship to the community that he has become part of. That's what Paul does. And that's what Jamie does too. Let's watch. I think I'm becoming the best version of myself. The kind of man that you always knew that I could be. I, sh I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be playing forward. I should be here in the centre. All time with the back heel. The Bondler is there to hammer it in. A majestic, sweeping symphony of a goal with part in the role of conductor. I don't care if you lose by 10 goals tomorrow. Just want you to be happy. Okay, son. Whatever happens on Sunday, I want you to know I'm proud of you. For the work you're picking this year. You know, Jamie, if hating the pops ain't motivating like it used to, it might be time to try something different. Just forgive him. I ain't giving him nothing. Mm -mm. No, you ain't giving him anything. You choose to do that, you're giving that to yourself. And isn't the idea of never give up one of them things we always talk about in sports and shouldn't that apply to people too? I believe that Jamie's on a path to becoming a better man, and I'm just here to help him on that journey. We are all on a path of redemption and growth. We are all learning and growing every day through every experience that we have.
And we have a choice. Okay, do, do we let our difficult moments, our challenges define us? Do we retreat into anger and frustration? Do we numb ourselves, shut out our friends and neighbors, stop talking, stop sharing, line up on opposite sides of the aisle, never to cross? No, that's not the way. Instead, and it's a bit of a paradox, we choose connection over separation. And it's just calling or texting a friend. It's, it's saying yes to a, a coffee date when you'd rather just say no. It's, it's making an effort to change a situation when you know the person that you've hurt might not want to talk to you anymore. But you try anyway. Because to be connected and in relationship with one another is Jesus' solution. It's what leads us to a, a better life, a better way of living. It's, it's the reminder that we are part of a team. We're part of a family. Just as we are, broken and messed up, but still needed and still loved. As we end our service, Joseph is going to play a little music for us now, and I'd, I'd just like us to end with a prayer. The prayer I'd like to offer you this morning is a prayer for broken people and broken places. I'd say most of us, maybe all of us, are a little bit broken someplace, and that's okay. There's always something to work on in our lives. Some things are small, some things are a bit bigger, and surely this world needs our prayers. And so this is a prayer of redemption, of asking God to help us when maybe we'd rather not do the work. But I invite you in this moment to hear these words as an invitation for your life. How is God moving in your life today? What is God's message for you today? Let's pray. God of broken people and broken places, we confess to you our love of comfort, of the known and predictable, of the safe and secure. We recognize that you call us into liminal space to leave what we know and venture with you into desert and wilderness, into blindness and discomfort. We want to follow you, but it's hard to leave what we know. Help us to trust you and to set out, for on this journey of faith far have we come, and yet far must we go. God of broken people and broken places, we thank you for all the grace that you have shown us, that's, that's been with us and with so many others. And we thank you for the space to listen, to grow, to create, to be challenged. We recognize that you are calling us on to leave what we know and venture with you into new things, into engagement and participation, into creativity and risk, into new structures and opportunities. We want to follow you, but it's hard to leave what we know and, and we're not sure always where we're going. Help us to trust you and to set out. For on this journey of faith, far have we come 
And yet far must we go. God of rebuilt people and rebuilt places. You have plans for deserts and wilderness. Water, you say, will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. God of transformation, we look forward to what you will do with our lives and through grace. For on this journey of faith, we have come far. And yet far must we go. Amen. My friends, keep up the good work. Go team.